You don't know, bro. You don't, bro. <laughs> don't bro me if you don't know me. Mage Talk is brought to you by MageMail. Keep your customers coming back with customer lifecycle email for Magento. Visit them online today at magemail.co. Mage Talk is brought to you by MageMojo, a Magento hosting company. We know that you have a lot of options out there when it comes to Magento hosting. We want you to give MageMojo a try. Not only do they have the fastest SLA at 15-minute response time in the entire industry, but they will also pay to get you back on your old host if you don't like it. We want to give you this special offer, and you can get the code to get that special offer in the middle of the show. Thanks to MageMojo for their continued support of Mage Talk. And welcome to episode 98 of Mage Talk, the Magento Community Podcast. And we have been off for the summer. It was a total accident, by the way. Uh, we are so glad to be back. And I'm so sorry that you guys have been waiting for so long for an episode, but we finally have one here for you. Uh, long story short, we had computer problems. Uh, we had travel problems. We had uh, uh, other things that sort of snuck up on us. And uh, But it doesn't matter. We are back. And uh, I couldn't be more pleased. Just getting into this episode, a couple things to keep in mind. Number one, this was recorded a couple months ago. Uh, a lot of things have sort of developed in the Magento 2 space since. And uh, it's sort of a cursory overview of uh, one developer's opinion and one developer's uh, experience uh, with Magento 2. So what you're going to hear now is an interview with Daniel Kinney, uh, a Magento developer, a uh, longtime Magento developer, five plus years now, I think. Uh, and uh, he's going to sort of give his first take impressions on um, transferring that knowledge from Magento 1 to Magento 2. Um, speaking of which, we had a fabulous turnout for our very first uh, uh, mage, uh, Nomad Mage uh, meetup, uh, the online webinar uh, that will keep you in, in, in a constant pursuit of uh, bettering yourself and bettering your career. And uh, had a great turnout for Vinay Cop's uh, talk. Uh, on uh, writing unit tests for Magento 1 and 2. And I want to encourage you, you can actually catch the very next one with Kevin Schrader. Uh, it'll be on September 20th, and uh, we want you to join us. So go to nomadmage.com and uh, sign up today. Kevin Schrader, uh, formerly of Magento, and before that, Zen Framework, and a great developer. He's going to talk about uh, how to uh, reduce uh, your, your amount of time developing and some profanity uh, <laughs> uh, on your part by, uh, by doing some browser testing. And so he's going to focus uh, a little bit on how uh, to write effective browser tests. going to be great. Uh, so go to nomadmage.com and sign up. And uh, let's all tune in to uh, our interview with Daniel Kinney. Hello and welcome to episode 98 of Mage Talk, the Magento community podcast. Today uh, joined with us, well, <laughs> before we get to him, I'm Kalen. Yeah. And Philip. <laughs> you're Philip. And we got to list us. We we have to list in in order of seniority because True. our guest today on the show is only 20, 25 and a half years old, Daniel Ketty. <laughs> where where, do you, where are you located? Uh, West Palm, Florida. Of West Palm, Florida. I was going to say Sarasota, Florida. Florida. <laughs> Just for the heck of it. Um, how's it going? How's everybody doing? Good. Yeah, doing good. Uh, you know, a lot of. Uh, a lot of fun stuff going on, and I'm really excited to have my uh, my protege. I am his Batman. He is my Robin. Um, nice. Yeah, that's why I call him Dick Grayson. Uh, Daniel Kenny's <laughs> on the show. So is my. Uh, uh, I met Daniel when he it's was amazing. 18, maybe. How old were you? Uh, I think it was uh, 19 or 20. You were 19. You guys met on 4chan. Yeah, right? we did. <laughs> <laughs> no, we we met on Grinder. Um, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> didn't have to take it there. Didn't have to take it there. Instant. No, it's good. Uh, I, 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 when I met uh, Daniel, he was like a, a search uh, expert. He was working on a bunch of Sphinx stuff, and that was really, oh, really? intriguing. And uh, we had hired him at uh, at this company we we worked at uh, together. And then, uh, uh, you know, I went and moved on. Now Daniel's making like you know millions of dollars a year as a Magento developer, and I'm still doing the same stuff I was doing six years ago. But he. Um, but you take credit for all of it. I take credit for him because uh, I'm the one who first showed him Magento. So I uh, feel a little bit of he was, he was, in, his, uh, in his career. And I'm really proud of where he's come from and where he's going. So 
It's awesome. And he was just a young babe when you guys first met. And up. yeah. Now he's like now he's like an, an old twenty five and a half year old. Yeah, he's, he's a tight thirty five. <laughs> <laughs> so so um we're gonna t- so actually uh Dan, you've been jumping into Magento too quite a bit, right? Yeah, yeah. So we're going to talk about uh, some, some, we're going to get into some, some nitty gritties, some nitty gritty on uh, <laughs> code, some code level stuff, some of the stuff you've been liking and some, some, some thoughts and stuff. Um, so that's going to be fun. I think that'll be interesting. Before we do, I just have to say, have you guys, I used uh, Let's Encrypt. Well, I didn't directly use it, but the, the, the service that I use. <laughs> has an implementation I read a blog on of it. it. So uh, I read a blog, <laughs> I read this blog post on it. I wrote a comment. I liked it. It's pretty awesome. Um, but it was amazing. Like I just enabled like there's auto SSL, auto renewing SSL. Yep. It's for, I mean, it's included in the thing I'm already paying, but it's awesome. Have you guys, have you guys used this yet? I haven't, but it seems amazing. I'm, I was Dude. pretty excited about it when it first came out. Yeah, I was excited about it too. Um, I had an early invite to it and I wanted to switch my blog over, um, blog.philwinkle.com. And then I went and I looked and I'm like, oh, I have to install something. Oh, I have those like a walkthrough. And then I did, yeah. I did three clicks in, uh, in AWS Certificate Manager and I was already on HTTPS. So I, I like, of course, I'm paying like $12 a month for that as opposed to free. But um, <laughs> uh, wait, so AWS certificate manager is, is, is there like a wrapper of uh, AWS uh, manager is an actual SSL implementation for their load balancers. Uh, so oh, okay. all I had to do was basically say new load balancer, uh, SSL, you know, only, and then also put this, you know, EC2 instance behind that load balancer. Done. Right. Um, and that was done. like all done through the management interface. I didn't have to mess with anything. Uh, yeah, but this, yeah. this is mind-blowingly cool. Um, and if you are using like DigitalOcean and you can have that sort of, you know, two-click. Dig- First of all, DigitalOcean has like nailed the one-click install sort of yeah. <laughs> thing. So it's uh, dude. It was. It wasn't even two clicks, man. It's a single click. Well, I had to delete my old cert, and then and then it was one click. But um, so I, you know, I get an email. It's I got to renew my SSL cert. So I go. I had to pay like sixty bucks. I don't know why I'm paying sixty dollars for the cert, but. Anyways, um, I pay for it. I'm getting and going to re, you know update the cert and everything. And then I see there's this new auto. I use this uh, service called Server Pilot, and I see there's this new auto SSL thing. I'm like, whoa! So then you know I email them about. It. I'm like, hey, how you know is there are there going to be any hiccups when I disable it? Like, is there any downtime in between you know getting this thing configured or whatever? They're like, no. So I'm like, okay. So I I finally try it, and it's just one click, boom, it's on, it's working. Um. So it's it pretty, yeah, that's pretty cool. Pretty yeah, I want to check it out. Um, do you know if it's available to be used for commercial applications, or is it just for like educational or information? Darn well, better be. Okay. I think it's. Well, I think it's. I don't know if it's necessarily recommended over like a purchased SSL, uh, like an like EV. You know, but right. Uh, I haven't. Seen yeah, it. I'm sure an EV would be better. Ready. Yeah. Right. I I don't know. Um, I don't know much about it, and so. Maybe Talesh has uh, something to say about it. I'd like to use it, but that's it's really cool. It's really cool to see so much quick adoption of it. But it makes me wonder. Um, we've seen things like this before. Um, there was uh, something that went around about like two years ago. Um, that was kind of like um, it wasn't blockchain identity management, but something to that effect where it was like your um, verify.me or something like that. I forget what it was, but it was like a PGP. Oh, the thing where you tweet something. Yeah, exactly. Like you, you verify your social identity. um, And then, and then, you know, people can use your, your various forms of social network to uh, authenticate your identity through PGP, which is kind of cool. And everybody got excited about it and everybody used it. And every time I find someone that like, I want to send a document to and I sign it with my, (laughs) With with that with with my uh, verify me or whatever uh, uh, PGP key, uh, they have they've like nobody can figure it out. Nobody uses it, so um, <laughs> I'm excited to see if this will get some adoption outside of just the initial excitement. Um, it is certainly a very yeah. useful thing to have free SSL um, <laughs> auto renewing free SSL. That's pretty. That's pretty. It's amazing. I yeah. I feel like it's kind of just the way that it needs to move, though. I mean, you know, with Google and the likes uh, sort of just ranking based on, you know, or pushing at least the importance of having SSL on every site, um, you know, like the base SSL. Uh, I mean, right now, I think it's like four bucks or something a year, which yeah, isn't bad, but 
Whisper. Some Snakes. others have really certs, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they are ranking. That is a ranking beacon or whatever they call it. Uh, what a signal. Fine. That's, signal. That's, close. Well, close. you know what? It's all snake oil. None of this stuff. <laughs> it's, it's, that's going to be my new, my new thing. It's a, it's a ranking beacon. It's a beacon. <laughs> it's like a beacon. Um, it's like a homing a beacon. beacon, if you will. Like a lighthouse. It's like a lighthouse. Come index me. Index. Come index. Yeah. Come index. Speaking of getting indexed by bros, um, the other thing I wanted to mention real quick uh, is we're, we're on Grinder. That's uh, <laughs> you. <laughs> we're going to be doing a little roundup post of Magento agencies and uh, talking about just, we're just going to, you know, a lot of times people, if they're looking for an agency, we they're each talk. Uh, no, uh, actually we're doing it for mage, mage mojo. Oh, okay. We're doing a little post uh, for Mage Mojo through Good Links, yeah. And so, anyway, we're gonna we're gonna just try to li- make it a thorough list of you know a bunch of agencies, just list list some recent work and stuff like that. So, um, if any of you guys out there have any anything you want to send our way, um, go ahead and do that. Uh, preferably, you know, we want to we want to list you know recent sites. I don't know, maybe six months old, you know, or so, something along those lines. Magento two builds obviously would be bonus points. Um, so anyway, we're just going to put together a list. There's like a, what's that? Are there, there's a point structure. There's winners. and No, no, I'm not going all mage hero on this. We're just, uh, <laughs> we're, it's just, we're just going to do a, you know, we're just going to do a listing and just try to list, you know, some of the quality agencies that are out there, you know? Yeah. Um, it's surprisingly kind of tricky to, to actually just find a list of Magento agencies. I did a little bit of searching and there's a few, but, um, so anyway, we're just going to throw that together. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you happen to have something digital on there? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Expecting, yeah. I'm expecting good things out of that. We've already, we've already emailed about this. You're, I know. I'm, this is a leading, yeah, called just, a leading question. Just, and, just call the leading question in our, in our parlor. That's what it is. Yeah. So, anywho, with those those two things, I just had to get off my chest. Aside, um, let's dive into this interview proper. Yeah. So. Um, so, uh, so Daniel, there's a few things we're going to talk about, you know, similarities between Magento 1, Magento 2, and plugins, observers, and some of the things you've been uh, getting into, liking, disliking. What would be your overall, what's your overall feel for Magento 2? Um, <laughs> it's a great question. Uh, to be honest, I mean, it's, it's been an interesting experience to say the least. Uh, you know, there's, there's still some parts that, uh, still need some work. Um, but I think M2 is sort of what M1 should have been. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's a lot of, I don't just think there's actually a lot of similarities between M2 and M1, um, where you can kind of see, yeah, where you can kind of see the, the, where they basically just copied functionality over. Um, but, with the complexity that was introduced in M2 over M1, um, you know, there's a lot of people who kind of question whether M2 was even warranted uh, as a as a completely separate release from M1. And honestly, I mean, I don't I don't think that there's any easy way for them to have done that. But but it's been it's been an interesting experience. Um, there's there's been a lot of laughs and a lot of tears. <laughs> <laughs> And like, well, actually taking a step back even further, what, what, what's some of the stuff that you're working on as far as M2 stuff goes, right? Do you have a couple of clients or are you just checking stuff out? Um, sort of checking st- um, some stuff out. Uh, I also have uh, one or two clients. Uh, I actually have um, uh, an ERP sort of build um, that's in the pipeline right now for M2 uh, and then a uh, uh, search module. So, uh, Okay. Back to the search. Mm. Search stuff. So, um, okay. So, so, um, what are, I remember we were talking to imagine you said that, um, you, you, was it you that said that it could have been an incremental upgrade on top of M1? No, that was somebody else. It couldn't have been, um, yeah, you just said it couldn't, but that, that was one of the weird things I had in my notes. Um, I I don't know where that, that I, I, so I understand the sentiment if you've not, if you've not actually built a site on Magento 2. I understand yeah. the idea that's like, oh, all the features are the same, but you just change the code a little bit, right? Or you'll hear some anecdotal stuff from people that say, oh, literally the whole ORM is exactly the same, or literally, you know, X, Y, or Z is is like 
the wish list module is exactly the same, you know, almost line for line. They did nothing new there. So I can understand the submit mm-hmm. from a hearsay perspective, but if you actually work yeah. on it, um, it's vastly different. I think, you know, uh, Daniel, could you kind of give us a, a little bit of a, like from a, tell me about your feelings, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, coming from nothing onto Magento one versus coming from Magento one to Magento two, which do you think was the harder, uh, the harder uh, of the two to sort of uh, get an understanding of? I mean, even before I got on M1, uh, I still had sort of spent some time in Zend. Um, but just the onboarding process for M1, I would say, was the most difficult. Um, you know, they're, they're like Magento is built on Zend, but it's sort of built on Varian, and then you have Mage. Um, so it's kind of an interesting layer. Uh, that they have um, with the similarities between M2 and M1. I think the carryover from M1 to M2 is is going to be a lot easier. Uh, at least it was for me um, to to sort of pick up some of the new conventions and stuff that they have um, on that side. But it's it's I, I think coming from sort of you know, but it's not like z- you, it's not learning an entirely new skill, right? Like it's building on knowledge you already have from Magento One, right? I've heard a lot of people say it's it might as well be its own application. I mean, I've heard a lot of people say that it would e- be easier coming to it fresh because you wouldn't be taking all the assumptions from M- M1 into it and that it's just so different. I, I've caught myself, You guys haven't found that? I mean, I've caught myself a few times assuming that, you know, this this one way sort of worked in M1 uh, and kind of coming to find out that it, it doesn't necessarily work that exact same way in M2. Uh, mm-hmm. But I mean, they're two separate uh, versions. So I mean... To, to expect that same exact sort of functionality or or sort of expect that same path to sort of work uh, in M2 that worked in M1 is uh, kind of, you know, uh, it's like expecting silver to be gold or something. You know, like it's that can't expect that every time. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or, or anytime, silver yeah. should never really actually be gold at all. Um, <laughs> like it's like it's making silver to be gold um what so what so when you said like there's you've caught yourself looking at something and saying oh no that's not something i can do in m2 what's what's an example or two of that i can't say that i found something that could be done in m1 that can't be done in m2 uh, but just like a way of doing things or um approach. I, I wouldn't say that there's there's like a way of doing things in m1 like um that you can't do in m2 well, ways of doing things in m1 that's the it's one of the, it's been one of the problems is the the for for me you know Magento one and teaching Magento one and and training people on Magento one is the well you could rewrite this block or you could listen to this event or you could you know create your own block and then like it just there's 15 ways to accomplish certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, I how do you feel? I'm now I'm tacking on to to Kalen's question, but. Do you feel like it's a little more opinionated in how you approach certain problems now in Magento 2 versus Magento 1? Um, it's a good question. Uh, I mean, community-wise, uh, I would say that it feels like there's more people that are sort of on the same page as far as how things should be getting done in M2. Um, I think there's certain areas, though, in M2 that we just haven't reached yet. Um, probably, you know, certain business requirements or things like that um, where... You know, there that we're going to run into those sorts of issues where the community is kind of divided, at least in in its opinion of what the proper way about going doing and doing something is. Um, you know, so far I feel like the the dev docs uh, and some of sort of the the writings from um, like Alan uh, Alan Storm and and Vinay, um, on M2 have kind of you know echoed a lot of the same things that have sort of been being said by Magento itself. Um, as far as how certain things should be getting accomplished, you know, like leveraging the factory or the the object manager um, and things like that directly versus not directly. Um, you know, I, I, and I feel like, though, you're going to have the same problem where there's 12 different ways to get things done in M2 as in M1, um, you know, especially with the introduction of, of plugins versus observers. I mean, plugins are always going to be the way to go, um, you know, but I'm sure... Could you give us some- the... For the uninitiated, can you give us a little uh, differentiation between what a plugin is versus an observer? Um, I mean, based on my understanding, um, you know, plugins sort of allow you to do a before, after, and sort of during 
uh, on a method call um, rather than you know actually listening for a particular event, which in an observer case you would generally do an M1, uh, which kind of gives you a bit more flexibility as far as you know structuring. Uh, sort of, you know, if I if I need something to show up before um, Magento sort of starts displaying buttons on a grid view, um, you can accomplish that through a plugin. Uh, whereas in M M1, you know, you you I, there you know there are a couple different ways to do that: either rewriting that block or you know creating an observer that waited for that particular block to get displayed and and kind of shoving your button in um, and things like that. So. Uh, <laughs> They say shoving your butt. <laughs> um, so, so <laughs> twenty-five and a half years old, Kaylin Jordan. Everyone. So, <laughs> so are there? So there's no observer observers at all. Like not even stuff that's been copied and pasted over and is in the process of being refactored. Those have been. There are observers. Yeah. Oh, there are yeah. observers as well. Okay. There are, but I think so the general consensus is just don't use them. Yeah. 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 yeah that's. I think there's that a little sense. bit of weird. There, I, I think that's one of the weird things. If you it's like every third generation of Microsoft software, they'll say this was a complete rewrite from the ground up. And it makes you wonder what the last two were. Um, this, this is one of those last two. <laughs> um, I feel like there are parts of Magento 2 and, and Daniel, I'd, you know, I'd love your insight here. It feels like somebody said, oh, you know what we need is we need dependency injection. Because if we had dependency injection, then we could write unit tests a little easier, right? And plus, everybody says that's what we need, so we need it. So they like wrote something that you know scans the code and rewrites the code, the Magento One code, so it would have dependency injection. And they did that same thing for like, oh, you need to be using a factory for this object getter, right? And then, oh, you need to be using uh, traits, or I'm sorry, not traits. You need to be using uh, uh, interfaces for. And it feels like they just kind of did this like munging of the code rather than a complete reimagining or a rewrite. There's very mm. little of it that feels like it was re-realized. It's, it's mm. very so so it's like a computer has gone through some areas of the code and have and has, you know, rewritten it. Find or replaced. Yeah. yeah. And and yeah. that's the that for me is the is the feeling of uh it used to be that you could at least document what something that was happening in core, you could look at something that was happening in the Magento core and feel confident that that was an, uh, an approach to get it done. Now it's like, it's actually a little hard to follow and understand now because I feel like some of the code wasn't necessarily written particularly by a human. That's my take. I, I'm not saying that's a wrong thing to do. I'm saying that's the state of it right now. Um, episode title Magento 2 <laughs> is not written by a human <laughs> actually you know what um, that actually would be a wonderful show title <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Magento Daniel what have been by, uh, by, by Pearl Red, Regex that's what it was, it was like Red- <laughs> Pearl, Red- Pearl Rednecks what's that um, well, the- look, I didn't get, uh, I didn't get uh, Daniel's two cents on that I'd like to hear what he thinks um, as would I Seems to be. You still with? You still with us? Oh, there we go. <clears throat> I'm not sure what happened there. <laughs> okay. Well, you're Tell back you in the year 2016 now, after your brief time travel, and uh, maybe you could. <laughs> if the question was, do you feel like the uh, the system uh, at this point in time? Do you feel like Magento 2 at this point in time is a little bit? scatterbrained and how it deals with things itself and it is it sometimes difficult to sort of follow even the source code um because the source code itself is is uh uh is needing a little bit of tlc um a little tlc in its life um yeah i mean to carry like there's there's two points i, be, I guess basically there uh cuz i caught sort of the last bit uh, that you were talking about with with the code being sort of computer generated um, right. or at least them sort of just running through and as Kalen said uh, fine and replaced um, I, I think the first part is you know they they had a list of objectives um, that they wanted to sort of introduce into the magento sphere um, and and they didn't really I, I think there's two points to that alone where they didn't have you know, the, the time or the resources to really do a complete rewrite. 
of right. of Magento itself to introduce just that that small bullet point list that they had probably. Um, and then the other part of it is, you know, um, I I think that it's going to make. I think it's going to make things really difficult. Um, you know, just thinking of the way that plugins work, um, and and you know, DI makes testing a lot easier. But tracing things back in M1 was so easy, uh, and and sort of definitively understanding um, what certain things were happening when you were trying to debug code, for instance. Um, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe with Blackfire and and New Relic and um, all the integrations that Magento Two has now. Um, you know, debugging these the the issues that you found easy in M1 and, and tracing back through to the core and getting a picture of all the plugins and observers and all the things that are happening um, sort of outside of core uh, that could be impacting something that you're working on. Um, tracing those things back might be might be easy, uh, but I feel like they're going to sort of be. The, it's not just like my feeling that it's going to be, but it is going to be uh, a lot different than it was in M1. So, you know, M2 is, there's definitely a learning curve um, there, but I think it's a, a bit scatterbrained. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, clearly, you know, it wasn't a complete rewrite. I mean, there's literally methods that you can go into to M2 and find that were essentially just copy pasted from M1. If you right. want to, you want to call it that, you know, but. Mage Talk is brought to you by MageMail. MageMail is the triggered email app for Magento. Triggered email can increase your revenue from 8 to even 12%. MageMail is easy and risk-free to try out, and it comes with a free concierge onboarding service. So all you have to do is sit back and watch the orders start to roll in. You can start your risk-free trial today at magemail.co. MageTalk is brought to you by MageMojo, a 360-degree customer support Magento hosting company. 360-degree customer support means every facet of your store is under support when you're at MageMojo. That's everything from the performance of your store to code-level support in the Magento core, and even patches will be applied by MageMojo on your behalf without your having to worry about a single thing. They have the fastest SLA in the entire Magento hosting realm, and they'll even give you money to switch back to your old host if you don't like them. I want you to try them out today. Go to magemojo.com. That's magemojo.com slash magetalk for a special offer. And on some level, that's comforting for a Magento 1 developer. And on, on another level, it... it uh, you know, I think there's it 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 shows that there's going to be a little bit more work that's going to be coming in the months and you know the months to come that uh, we'll see some hopefully we'll see a lot of improvement in those areas for you know uh, from you know just from a from a code perspective so that it it reads well and you know it's well it's well written but I I do think that there's a there's a lot to be said about the you know the the new architecture allowing people to get more work done in a in a more agile way. I mean, I think Magento 2.1 is now in um, release candidate two as of the time that we're recording this, and and um, so I do think that there's you know 2.1 is a massive leap forward for Magento from a from a a, a feature perspective and and competing with other platforms. I think you know the pre preview and staging are things that I have heard were were attempted and were insurmountable in previous version of Magento and Magento 1. I heard it, I've heard this from a number of people that it just was flat impossible. Like to write the way, like it would have re- required a Magento 2 level re-architecture from, for them to accomplish that. And that's essentially what Magento 2 has really? afforded them to be that's able to do. Now, whether or not they got that done in, you know, in a whatever you would consider to be a reasonable amount of time, they got it done in months, not years, right? So I, I, I'm impressed. Um, I'm impressed at the 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 rate that they're going to be iterating. I, hopefully, you know, people like Daniel and I can iterate just as fast as them. But um, could you give us some specifics, Daniel, on on things? I I know you're not letting on. I know you've done a t- a tremendous amount of work on Magento too, and you're kind of being real humble about it. Yeah, when we were talking to Imagine, he was like listing out all these things he'd run into, all these specifics. We got to get into some juicy details. 
the the juicy juices. Um, the ju- <laughs> Um, you know, I, I guess one thing that I sort of have jotted down here, uh, which is not necessarily sort of a general overview of M2 is, is sort of a concern with the, the, the setup scripts. Um, you know, I, I see there's, and it kind of has to do with sort of the community, um, coming together, I guess, and, and identifying a single route, uh, that's acceptable to sort of follow, um, uh, in regards to setup scripts, which is, you know, the migrations, database migrations. Yeah, database migrations, um, mostly, you know, just upgrade scripts. I mean, install should only run once, so not too concerned about that. But, but upgrades, you know, it seems to me like there's, there's kind of a conflict between, you know, doing ifs on versions um, in order right. to get your upgrade scripts to run sort of incrementally um, versus, you know, in M1, you just created you know, your, your, your one upgrade script for that from your, your version one to version two, um, and then another upgrade script from version two to version three and, and M2, it's, it's not that way at all. They, they kind of just stuck everything in one file. And so I, I kind of had a concern of, you know, what, what happens when you iterate over, you know, 30 revisions and you have to, to make database changes in each one of those or, or something, you know, like, uh, that, that's kind of, it's kind of an interesting thing, um, and I, I'm interested to see how either the community handles it um, through some creative method. There, there's a way of doing ifs for version compares, uh, or there's sort of this subclass approach, um, which which I personally found uh, a bit cleaner um, than sort of just doing a bunch of ifs uh, in the the upgrade script. Um, but I'm kind of curious as well to see what Magento's. Um, going to put out sort of as far as some of those those issues. Um, yeah. I don't think particularly anyone's run into to you know uh, a wall with that yet. Uh, but you know, Magento two has only been out since November of last year, so you know th- there hasn't really been that much time to to generate those thirty revisions just yet. <laughs> well, and I think that because they're you know two point one's coming out, um, I don't believe in the re- release candidate that they have finalized. And if I like, they're going to have to go back and now readdress a lot of those that that uh, that that legacy way of handling upgrades in Magento too, because uh, they're going to uh, you know assume assumably they change it, and then they're going to have to go back and backward compatibility you know backward compatible you know migrate in all those changes so that you know forward movement on I don't know I I, I it seems like. That could be very tricky. Um, I, I hope that they do solve it very soon. Uh, we solved it here at Something Digital. Um, we wrote uh, we wrote something that is integrated with Gulp, uh, which is you know the Gulp is you know it's a part of a front end you know, front end ops tool for uh, as a task runner. Um, but we we use it uh, for a lot of things. And uh, in fact, I did a whole talk at Sunshine PHP about using Gulp in uh, in a PHP. Uh, developer workflow. Um, so we use Gulp now to manage our own migrations from Magento 2. Um, and they're time-stamped, so they are serial. Uh, they are serialized, and anybody can create multiple, you know, they, anybody can create multiple database migrations. You can also create rollbacks, so that's a, a feature that doesn't exist in Magento 2 right now, is being able to tear down, um, you know, create uninstall scripts. Those are interesting things, and it's inspired from Laravel. Laravel uses like a model-based approach. Um, but right now, if you go on GitHub, on the Magento 2 GitHub, there's a, a request for comment um, RFC thread for doing migrations. There's a lot of input there. And one of the people leading the charge there in the community is a guy named Gabriel Somoza, um, who formerly of a company, I think, called Strategery, which is one of the best uh, Magento uh, agency names I can think of. Um, from the the Bush uh, <laughs> from from the Bush era forty two right Bush forty two um, <laughs> and um, so yeah but uh, you know there's a lot of people talking about this but it's just that it's just talk we're all living with this you know kind of broken thing right now um, or less than perfect thing I guess is what I should say mm-hmm. so that's a really good concrete thing um, is it what else do you what else have you found what were some things that you were kind of delighted by like you just really made sense or they were really worked well or easy to work with? I mean, DI is definitely a love-hate thing. Um, you know, I, I love DI, but I hate the compile time. I think everyone does, really. Um, I think there's there's just, 
it, it's a hard argument to make that they need to improve the performance of it. I mean, I know that it's slow, um, but it's also just doing a, a plethora of, of things um, to generate those uh, dependency injections. Um, you know, I, I like the fact that, um, you know, in M1, uh, there's a, a very heavy magic method convention that a lot of people follow. Um, and, you know, it, it's kind of just been standard practice to, to leverage the magic methods in M1, and they still sort of exist in M2, um, but, you know, it's more of a defined structure now uh, in M2 where, where you actually sort of define, um, you know, the, the data on your, your models instead of just sort of setting them in thin air uh, mm-hmm. and letting them get set later in the database. Um, so that's, that's one thing that I actually like. Um, you know, in the, uh, the um, I'm blanking now for some reason. <laughs> no, on the, I have to say on, I have to say on the setters and the getters, I, I at one point stopped using those because when you want your IDE to be code inspection to be nice and clean, and there are some plugins to let make your IDE aware of the magic methods, but I ended up finding it was just easier to using them. Yeah, just do them. Yeah. Just order to clear them, yeah. Um, and a lot of people wouldn't always pay attention to that, um, but it, it just makes it so much easier to code when you know your inspection is all green. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and factories are pretty awesome. Um, you know, getting rid of Git model and and helper and just the mage global god uh, that was mm-hmm. in M1 uh, and getting rid of that in M2 is, is definitely a huge plus. Um, you know, being able to leverage those factories uh, and and the object manager, I think, is going to become a very dangerous thing. <laughs> um, there's really no way for them to lock that down, though. Uh, but it's going to be pretty interesting to see how how that uh, that progresses. Um, you know, I know in the within the community, I know Alan Storm is a very big uh, uh, proponent of not using the object manager directly. So um, you know, we'll see yeah. how much pressure from the community can can stop the use of that. I mean, I, I will say for me personally, I'm I'm. I'm one of those people that has have used it, uh, uh, especially when I was first sort of getting onto M2. Um, but once you start actually using factories and you understand DI, uh, you know, leveraging the object manager is just sort of it, it's like an archaic way of of M1 sort of, you know. But let, let me ask you this, um, because this you know this whole podcast is going to be inside baseball, but it, I think it's worth discussing the the aren't there places in Magento core itself where they break that practice? They do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's the, that, so that's one of those things. Again, it's, it's incongruent in that, you know, I think we, we can expect that Magento can break its own rules. Um, but there's no reason for Magento to break its own rules because Magento yes. could just follow its own rules. Like everybody, like they're ex- instructing everybody else to do. Um, and I think the community will enforce this, but one of the problems that I have and you're going to hear me talk about this a lot in the months to come because it's something that I'm becoming very passionate about is for us to have an inclusive developer community, um, one that is one that is uh, approachable and, uh, and welcoming to people of all uh, developer uh, skill levels is that kind of best practice um, uh, uh, evangelism needs to be tempered with a a, a very cautious tone because mm-hmm. some of the things that I see, especially around object manager is becoming kind of belligerent almost in like people are flagging answers on Magento stack exchange as, you know, as, uh, as being completely wrong or there people are like down brigading, um, uh, answers, uh, on stack exchange because it's, it's, it's suggesting that an object manager you know, direct call is needed for something. And I think those kinds of behaviors can become toxic. Um, it, it creates sort of like an us and them sort of a, a community where there's people in the know and that's not, that's, that in the know, you know, is hard information to come by because it's not like, it's not like there's a placard when you download it that says, oh, and by the way, don't use object manager directly like we do all through the code base. You have to abide by your own rules. Um, you know, you learn this by being slapped on the wrist and that's just not a great experience for a newcomer. Um, so that's something that, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of knowledge, I think even I'm guilty of it and I don't censor myself. You know, if you look at some of the old Magento stack exchange, 
uh, answers of mine from back in early 2013, you'll see, you know, on a few answers, uh, me suggesting that you need to load a model to get access to all of the attributes on a model. And my, my stance on that changed after, you know, a bunch of people corrected me. I didn't go back and censor my answers and go change all my answers to say that that was wrong. You know, I just, I, I became a good actor going forward. And I, I think, um, technically that wouldn't be censorship. That would just be making an update. <laughs> no, but I think it's disingenuous. It would be me going back and rewriting history and that. trying to make yourself look good. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like at some point in okay. time, like I, Fair. I didn't do it right. And now I do. Um, mm-hmm. and that's, we all grow. And that's, mm-hmm. that's one of the yeah. things that, you know, we do have a much more, active community right now around Magento 2, um, much more active developer community, but the people who are really working very hard on it right now seem to kind of be a little on the zealous side. And so I'd, I'd caution us all to be, you know, welcoming in, in our in our ability to evangelize those best practices, because that's something that, you know, if I had been slapped on the wrist when I first started, it would have been very, a big turnoff to me. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be very hard to sort of police that, so to speak. I mean, oh. you know, there's, there's, it's just, I don't know, like I can understand the frustration of, of not wanting to see that get used. Um, yeah. but sort of the heavy handedness of, of, you know, just, um, blowing up or like you said, vote brigading or, um, uh, you know, flagging answers and things like that. I mean, you know, I, I think comments, being able to comment on a on a particular answer, uh, is is enough to warrant someone away from from leveraging something that the community sort of deems, um, you know, not best practice, um, rather than just hiding that answer. Period. Um, I don't like for me personally. I haven't experienced a, a part where you know object manager is entirely necessary, but I'm sure at some point. In the future, uh, you know, there once- are places. There are places oh, where sure. it is harmful. Yeah, right? it's there are things, but the thing is, is that there's not a there's not a clear answer as to why it's harmful. Whereas there, for some best practices in Magento, there are answers that saying here, that is an extremely slow way of doing it. Look over here. This is a better way of doing it. Yes, it's a little more work, but this is going to make your site fast. The mm-hmm. other, this object manager thing that we happen to be stuck on right now, this one thing, uh, is just, is because of, it can cause some confusion as to when you use it directly, from my understanding, um, some of the things I've seen is it's, it's in some ways, uh, 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 uh it behaves like a singleton. Um, like the get method, I think is a singleton, but it's not, it doesn't like necessarily tell you that like you, you would have to go and look to find that it is a singleton. So then like you do something like you use object manager directly to get a product collection and like every single product that comes back is going to look like a simple product because mm-hmm. the first one in the collection was a simple product. So yes, that is a misleading thing, but it could be that there are other uses of object manager that don't have such dire consequences. And they're not really that big of a deal as we see in Magento Core. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're in the dark and you don't even understand what Object Manager is, join the club. Because to me, Object Manager is the thing everybody yells about, but I'm not supposed to use. So why do I even need to know about it? If I just do some, <laughs> if I do something the right way, quote unquote, then I should never have to come into t- contact with that. So in some ways, our talking about it makes us more aware of it. But it's not something we should be aware of in the first place, right? It's one of those low-level system things that we shouldn't have to touch directly. Um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, that's my that's my two cents. And what are um, what are some of the um, specific? I know you talked about some of the projects high level, but what are some of the specific features and modules that you've been working in? Oh, you losing? No, I'm I'm here. Sorry, I was muted. Oh. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I would say nothing super crazy, um, nothing as as uh, as fun as I would want it to be, I guess. Um, you know, just uh, search result replacements, um, uh, some layered nav work. Uh, you know, um, layered sort of, nav is Phil's favorite. Oh, I'm sure it's everyone's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> have you done any layered nav stuff yet, Phil? And M two? Um, I mean, I I have actually. I've done a little bit, but it's. Uh, it's all been, it's, it's all, I'm, I'm kind of working with, uh, Cataline on trying to port his module to Magento 2. 
Um, and so that's the thing is that the game has changed a little bit in the way that things are done. And so his, his, you know, particular elegant approach in Magento one may not necessarily work directly in Magento two. Um, so yeah, I, but anyway, um, yeah, Daniel, you've done a little bit, you've, you've done a lot of stuff. Um, I've seen some of the stuff he's worked on with, uh, um, generating product feeds like that are extremely, uh, detailed type of product feeds. Um, that uh, I, I think kind of tease out all of the little difficult things to 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 work with, like getting attributes and collections, and you know, sort of thing. Do you want to talk about any of that? Um, yeah, we can. I mean, you know, I think that was the biggest struggle for me was just sort of understanding the way Magento two worked um, in comparison to M one uh, for for that particular. Um, that particular case, you know, like just, just understanding configurable products and configurable attributes. And, and that was sort of like when I realized, started realizing, uh, where there were some very, uh, I guess, eerie similarities between M1 and M2, um, where it was, it was like, you know, they, they started copy, copying and pasting code between, between the two. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, working with XML uh, and and JSON um, sort of uh, API endpoints, um, you know, it's 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 been an interesting experience. I mean, I don't know how how deep into these I can go. Um, oh, deep! Go deep! Um, you know, nothing nothing too crazy. I mean, just dealing with attributes. Um, you know, dealing with M one uh, and coming to M two. I, I don't feel like that there's there's really too much crazy going on between between M2 and M1 um, where it's going to be you know super difficult for for someone to pick up. I think it's just very daunting at first. Uh, I will say when I first got to M2 from M1, I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to to sort of start picking this up um, because at the time, you know, M2 had come out. I don't think I started working on M2 uh, until probably January of this year. Um, so it was a couple months after its release, uh, and, and it was, it was pretty daunting at first. Uh, but once you start getting in there, it, it sort of picks up, uh, things start to actually sort of make sense. Um, and, and you just get used to the way that, that things are done now, uh, in M2. Um, and you kind of start to come across some of the quirks in, in M2, um, and, and some of the things that don't work or don't make sense. Um, and some of the things that do work and, and, you know, make sense, uh, and are beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So I, there's some things I miss, um, in Magento one, uh, going back to working on Magento one after doing some Magento two work, um, is I sort of prefer the pattern of the, of, of the way that they do controllers and the, uh, the response types. So if I want to yes. create like what, what, uh, what, uh, uh Daniel was talking about, if I want to have an XML response type there is a there's like a response factory right that has a a response type object that i return uh from my from my controller action and my controller action is actually a model in and of itself um with helper well well with uh with member methods that help you you know execute uh that that action so what it, it actually it's created a much a much easier to to unit test um uh uh, uh uh, environment because you don't have you know these really fat controllers with hundreds of actions they're all models in and of themselves and individually testable all with like an execute method they all can they all conform to one interface um you can create your own you know uh controller interface as well for you know certain controller types to have actions that have to implement certain methods so um you know creating a response uh creating a json um api endpoint um, and creating a an XML API endpoint for the same data is trivial now, um, whereas it used to be mm -hmm. you had to basically rewrite half of the controller action um, just to return the data type. Uh, a lot of the data was like a lot of that work was duplicated. Now it's just you return a certain type of factory object, and it will you know handle the things like the header setting and or the content type. Um, like there's a lot of interesting stuff that I think. You know, it's stuff that I've seen in like Laravel, for instance, um, that I think is is very compelling here, um, and very you know stuff I miss. Um, but uh, in Magento one, but uh, you know, we are still in a world where I have to work on both. Um, yeah, in a world, exactly. Um, 
Nice. Um, are you doing much uh, unit testing, uh, Daniel? Uh, not yet. I, I'm excited for uh, the nice talk at uh, Nomad Mage. I can't wait. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, look at that. I'm going to have to slip you some money now. Man, <laughs> that was, slipped in a that mention. Was, that was a really good mention. That was tight. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah, for, and for those who didn't listen at the top of the show, uh, Vinay Cop is talking about writing testable code in Magento 1 and 2 um, with side-by-side examples, and that's on July 26th. Um, and uh, nomadmage.com. Okay, back to your show. <laughs> back to your regu- regularly scheduled programming. The hour of Mage 2 power. Um, <laughs> uh, well, any uh, any parting shots, Daniel, before we wrap it up? Yeah, I mean, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, no. <laughs> did we just... I'll just drop. He, I think he, he might have just dropped. He overstayed. He's he's going to be here for a little while. Yeah. All right. Well, he stayed so long. We'll have to say bye to Phil there. But no, actually, I think it's a good time to to wrap up. Um, that was cool to jump to dive in a little bit to your experience there with M two. And um, if anybody listening out there, you have uh, you know thoughts or or questions or feedback on any of that, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Post a comment to the site at magetalk.com. And Daniel, where can uh, people find you? I love your website, but I love your domain. Where can people find you online? <laughs> uh, Daniel Kinney, K-E-N-N-E-Y dot codes. Dot codes. That's great. Um, and um, you're also on Twitter, right? Yes. Yes. Um, I think mine is, uh, I never know what my Twitter is. I have so many. So you don't many tweet yourself aliases. often enough. Yeah. Uh, J. Kinney Daniel. All those throwaway 4chan accounts that you have are, are confusing you. Yeah, man. I have way too many. I got I to gotta get rid of some. <laughs> I, I actually, I started up a Twitter account uh, not too long ago when, when the time change happened. Uh, and I was trying to tweet out to people that it's uh, uh, EDT, not EST. It, Twitter <laughs> Twitter shut that down pretty fast. I was pretty excited about it. It was going to be great. And then uh, that would have been great. They shut it down. So it's oh, horrible. Yeah, I wasn't too happy about that. I emailed them and they never got back to me. I was like, all right, never mind. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a legit uh, usage. Yeah, I'm, I'm just informing the public. Uh, you keep people informed about that. All right. Well, yeah, thanks again for tuning in and uh, we will see you next week. Later, guys.